I'm juggling 10 different things. What do I do? What's the answer? I don't know if there's any one answer, but today this is what we're going to do. We're going to go through what eight famous people would say about this topic. We're going to go through one thing to avoid and one rule that changed my life and completely flipped the way I think about this problem. So welcome with Joe Eby Podcast. It's a bit of an impromptu episode. I didn't have my recording gear this week, so no Luke. Thank God. But I thought we'd do an episode on this topic because in the concert student community of all the people are supporting on their kind of learning and curiosity journeys, this is the thing amongst a lot of high, highly talented young people that comes up most often. They all seem to express this pain point. I've got too many options. I say yes to everything. Should I concentrate on doing less, I'm burning the candle at both ends? And it's a very interesting kind of debate. So what is the answer? Well, you know, I don't know, but let's dive into it. I'll lean firstly on one of my favorite thought leaders. We did podcast episodes on him, Nassim Taleb. He talks about some important concepts like asymmetric bets, which is basically where the, the lotto is an asymmetric bet. Like I, I'm placing a small amount of money with a very big thing I could gain, but the chances are just too small. So I don't normally play the lotto, but you can do that with other things like being a entrepreneur or making stuff online. You know, you just need one thing to work and you could make an income off it. So it's hard to be too limited with our thinking. You, you kind of want to fire lots of different shots because you don't know what will land and stick. That's been true for anything I've ever worked on. Real estate, constant student, the podcast. I kept trying different things. I started with writing, then I started the podcast, and then I focused more on YouTube, and YouTube's where I think more new people discover me than anywhere else I've tried. So even within the one thing, if I, don't, if I stop trying new things, then it all breaks down. So it's interesting to keep in mind some of Nassim Taleb's concepts about optionality, right? Where you're not as obligated to do things, but you can be a little bit involved, like being a fly on the wall in what people are working on. Working for free, so you're not committed to stay and work for a long time. Asking for work experience in the uni break, or in some of your time off. So it's interesting to try and play the game, so you're not as committed, but you get to sample lots of different things if that's where you're at. Now you also talk about a guy like Tim Ferriss. Now I love Tim Ferriss. And Tim Ferriss talks a lot about the specialized generalist. Right? It's not something he came up with, but I always love how he explains that you don't necessarily need to go out trying to be the best at everything. You can just combine a couple of things that you're pretty good at that don't often go together, but put them together. Right? So like for me, for example, I'm not just like, you know, got this Aussie accent that a lot of people seem to like. I'm like super good looking. So I can combine like the good voice and the super good looks and like oh, everyone else has just got a good voice is like can't compete with me. Here I am. But he uses other examples and not all scientists are great speakers. But if you're a great scientist and a great speaker, you can be like, I reckon Neil deGrasse Tyson, for example. So we've done episodes on that too. And there's a beauty here and there's a good book, Range, you know, by David Epstein talks more about people who have these broad experiences, how that can often lead to more. You can be far more creative often right? You're much better at problem solving, diverse problem solving. There's not necessarily this, this, this pain with kind of having all these different experiences and skills, because often it's just the combination of things that really go together, but go well together, can be real ace up, up your sleeve. Robert Greene, I did an episode on him with Luke not long ago, and Robert Greene is known as an author. But before that, he did all these different jobs. He traveled all over Europe, all over the world, worked for all these different bosses, worked in Hollywood. And that has kind of informed his work later on. So I think it is hard if you're, especially if you're young, but even if you're not, even if you're 
I don't want to say an age and say that's old, 50, 60, 70. And uh, you're trying to figure it out so quickly instead of just surrendering to the story. For all you know, all these different directions you keep getting pulled might need to connect, dots might need to connect later on. And I think that was the case for the prominent author known as Robert Greene. Now, one thing I think is a real headache, Naval Ravikant, we talked about him on the podcast too, he gives this good advice, don't be too deliberate. There's a lot of academic people out there these days who are coming up with these career formulas and career playbooks and this is how you know you're going to become the best and blah rah rah like if you if you try to be too calculated about it too formulaic it just doesn't work that way like logically what's the best thing i could go do now right now to earn money well it's hard to be logical about that because i'd have to care about what i'm doing so i can't just like pick the highest paying job or something i'd have to align the best paying job with what I care about, with my values, with... There's too many factors, it's not a formula. It's this playground. And if you treat it like a playground, it's much more relieving. So, Naval's a good guy to listen to there. Now, if you want a really good perspective, I don't always, I don't always think of... Sometimes he's hit and miss, but Gary V absolutely nailed this. I'm, I'm fundamentally the byproduct of not sticking to one thing. I'm in the business of trying to juggle 50 balls and knowing 13 of them will fall and being thrilled about that because I have 37 balls in the air because if I had one ball in the air, I'd want to call it quits. And I think you should do what you want to do. So shock, guys. Everyone's different. And it's not how many things you're doing because how are you going to measure how many things you're doing? Right? Like I could have one business with all these little projects within it. Does that mean I'm doing one thing? Do I now need to do one thing within that business? Like, I don't know, the marketing? But then within marketing, surely you've got to try all these different things. In marketing, are you just going to try one thing that works, but you also can't just do everything. You've got to make educated decisions around. So this is kind of like investing and it's kind of like figuring out what's working, doubling down on that if you want to, if not, blah, blah, blah. So there's no formula. There's no one right answer. I think it's more about how you relate to what you're doing. Think about it, how you relate to what you're doing. Now, so it's not just what, but it's why. Some people do a spread of things because they are pleasure seeking. They're, they're saying yes to everything because they can't handle the idea of closing one door. They're too anxious about it, but they're not actually really fulfilled by it. They actually feel drained. They feel worn down. They feel like they're obligated to do all these things. And that's not the healthy place of doing it. You go for pleasure seeking when you're not fulfilled, when you're not satisfied. That's what creates a void that you want to fill by we always use the metaphor, Scott McEwen created it, the, the bucket, trying to stuff more in. And that's not the healthy place. But you go to someone else like Leonardo da Vinci, who, you know, oh God, he painted, he drew, he wrote, he studied woodpeckers' tongues, he dissected bodies, he came up with physics discoveries, he was an engineer, guy did everything. And from what we can tell, he loved it, right? He neglected money because he loved to just chase his own curiosities. So if it comes from a place of you're called to do it and you're chasing your own curiosities, I think that's remarkable. But if it's from a place of I don't feel like I'm doing enough or I don't feel like I'm as accomplished or I'm not feeling joy and you're just chasing all these, all these things, these elaborate things, then see, to me, it's not how many things you're doing. It's the relationship you have and the reason you're doing what you're doing. Right? So I think that's interesting. Now, one narrative I want to talk, and Jordan Peterson talks about this. If you concentrate solely on your career, 
you can get a long way in your career. And I would say that that's a strategy that a minority of men preferentially do. That, that's all they do. They work like 70, 80 hours a week. They go flat out on their career. They're staking everything on the small probability of exceptional status in a narrow domain. But it's, it's hard on them. They don't have a life. It's very difficult for them to have a family. They don't know how to take any leisure activity. Like, they get very one-dimensional. Now, it may be that that unidimensionality is the price you have to pay to be exceptional at one thing. We have this default idea in our culture that you've got to be exceptional at something. You've got to be exceptional at something. But if you don't double down, guys, if you don't focus, you'll never be the best at anything. Well, why do we need to be the best at something? Why do we need to be the best at something? What am I the best at? Am I the best at something? Then why are you listening to me? It, it is funny kind of conditioning in our culture. Who knows exactly where it comes from? Probably comes from our ego, trying to find this story of ourselves that we're all superior, significant, that our life has meaning because we won some particular game. You know, being excelling in areas does make it kind of easier to attract opportunities that interest you, right? Now I'm someone who does focus on some areas more than others, right? But at the same time, I don't think it's I don't think it's a worthy goal in its own sake, right? So go to another guy we used to, we talked about recently on the podcast, Charlie Munger. It's so fascinating to go into his story. If you don't know who he is, right hand man of Warren Buffett, one of the richest people in the world, big time billionaire, ninety eight years old, still trucking, and he didn't deliberately become rich. He just wanted more independence. He wanted to find a place where he had special advantages and could have a good living and lifestyle doing that with good people. Right? He didn't set out to, him and Warren Buffett, doesn't seem like they set out to become the number one investors. That kind of just happened. So you can try to be exceptional at one thing and fail doing it. You can try to be exceptional at one thing and succeed doing it. You can not try and maybe it'll still happen. Or you can not try and it won't happen, but maybe you don't care. So what's the right answer? Again, you know. Who knows? But if we get too concerned with these things for no good particular reason, it's not clear why. Why would I want to be the best at something? If the answer's not there, then I think we're, we're barking up the wrong tree. You might not need to try too hard to be exceptional. Now, you can come to me and my story. When I left high school, I had this burning desire that I was always going to be doing something to help people. That was my little dream. I didn't always know exactly what it would look like, but heck, it was there. And I feel like when I left, I went away from that. I went to university and I was saying to someone today, when I was at university, it was just my experience, but when I would go in there, I could feel my soul leaving my body. Like I wasn't in the right place. I wasn't doing something to help people. I wasn't even, the, I wasn't learning how to do it either. It just wasn't happening. And then a lifeline came a couple of years later when this guy called Nick started doing this stuff in Nepal and somehow I, I got involved and that just opened a whole new world and that, that wow, my eyes were open and I found another thing and I started a, a real estate business, right? And then the next thing was, why the hell have I started a real estate business? And then I got too busy and we stopped doing the, the kind of this non-profit, this non-Paul stuff and I focused more on this real estate stuff and I thought, well, I was doing it with great people like, I was, you know, it was a good challenge, but it's, it didn't. I came back to this feeling of like, this is not right. Why do I want to do this? Now, should I have doubled down and tried to become exceptional at it? Should I have just hit it harder and harder and pushed through? I gave it a good notch. I did my best, to be honest. Now, the other night, I was watching a YouTube video. 
pretty non-spectacular, right? Watching a YouTube video. And there were two guys talking about tennis in this video. Right? Not special to anyone else, but me, I think, in particular, this video. Because as I was sitting there, I was just thinking about how remarkable it was. These two guys just being themselves, talking about the French Open. Because they wouldn't have met these two guys, I don't think, if it hadn't been for me. Because when we started the Constant Student uh, a year ago, they, they were part of the first cohort and they met each other there. And one of the things they had in common was this love for tennis. Now I've got more heartfelt and, and powerful stories to come out of Constant Student and what we started doing there. But I'm just transfixed by the simplicity of that one just at the moment, if you'll forgive me for it. It's just something else. And the reason we started the Constant Student, because I found something I really cared about a while ago, which was partly, not just everything going on in the world, but especially education. And when COVID hit, if I hadn't tried to start focusing more on that, then those two guys wouldn't, wouldn't have met. And a, a whole deal of other things a whole bunch of other doors wouldn't have opened. And it's crazy to think about that. Now, what does this have to do with your options, um, your option overload and your decision fatigue and your, your, your 10 balls you're juggling? Well, heck, I don't know, but just hear me out. It called at me. It just called at me to do what I'm doing. It wasn't a calculated decision. I didn't weigh up pros and cons. I just clawed at me for years. And if you don't do what you're called to do, and you can't hear that voice, you'll always be barking up the wrong tree. Now, I don't think about the 10 things anymore, but I don't know if I'm doing 10, 20, or one. I couldn't even tell you. It's so hard to tell you where these things stop, start, and finish. What I can tell you is that it's this big gimmick, guys. It's this big gimmick that you think you're choosing. Because if something's calling at you, and you can hear it, how is it that you're the one sitting there choosing it? So you have to not look forward for the answer around, what do I do? To me, we have to go backwards, behind the eyes, ask deeper questions, and listen to ourselves. And that's what I think Da Vinci did, who did everything. And it's also what I think Tiger Woods did, who doubled down on golf from the age of three. I think it's the same thing, and it's the relationship we have with what we do, not what we do, that really matters. So guys, if you can't hear that voice, that's your first challenge. And if you can't hear it, it means that the room you're in right now doesn't have that voice. Something probably has to change. So how are you going to do it? Maybe try opening a new door for a change so something can change. And at least then you'll have an experience to digest and process. And remember always that the best way to open a thousand doors for you is to concentrate on opening doors for others. Check the Dorman Substack in the description or the show notes to sign up and get more updates from the podcast. Other than that, I will see you next time on With Joe Weeby.